This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Google Cloud gets high-performance boost. And India promises 10 petaflops supercomputer. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for dialing into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, on Top500.org this week, you got a pair of stories about some high-performance processing upgrades to Google Cloud. Let's start with the GPU side of things. They've got some uh, new NVIDIA uh, Kepler GPUs available. Right, they've installed these, the Kepler GPUs, the K80s. Uh, they've made uh, several instances available, at least to certain of their geographies in the eastern U.S., eastern Asia, and western Europe, some of the, the larger geographies they have. And they're now making these available for public. Now, it's a public beta, but they are now available for basically anybody who who, uh, who wants to get access to these things. And this isn't anything new as far as public clouds go. The k 80 Kepler GPUs have been available in a lot of clouds, a lot of the larger clouds like Amazon and IBM SoftLayer and, and Microsoft Azure for a while. Um, so in a sense, Google is just pay, playing catch up here, but uh, it's sort of good to see that's certainly good news for for NVIDIA that uh, now they've basically expanded to all the major public clouds. Well, NVIDIA's had a lot of momentum in the hyperscale space, I think driven a lot by deep learning, machine learning, and the affinity that those applications have for the cloud, not only for the hyperscale companies doing them on their own for their own machine learning initiatives, but when other industries like finance or uh, retail or, or medicine start looking to do machine learning on their own, the, those applications have a high degree of cloud affinity, uh, and that's driven a lot of this interest in these higher bin processors. Yeah, certainly certainly that's the case. And here there are it seemed to be targeting a lot of the uh, companies that might want to do machine learning slash deep learning on their own. So enterprises that you know aren't reliant on other data sets that the hyperscale guys have, but on their own internal data sets and do their own uh, deep learning training uh, models to develop for their own applications. But also for for HPC, they're they're talking about this is also for for scientists and engineers or even people doing visualization, uh, getting access to these GPUs, and this gives you, you know, tens of teraflops of performance just with a few instances. So it's definitely an accelerator for those types of applications that need that compute intensity. And then not to be outdone, Intel looking to also uh, get its processors, its newest processors, the Skylake processors, into the Google Cloud. Right, and that's sort of the most most interesting story here. I mean, that's the Skylakes, which are, are officially going to be released probably sometime around the middle of this year, or seem like they're going to show up, are going to show up in the Google Cloud first. So if people want access to them, uh, it's, it's a little bit difficult. You have to go and fill a form there. They're not on the regular uh, page of, of instances where you can just get access to them, but you can fill out a form and get access to these Skylake Xeons uh, now. By doing that, and what that does is it gives you access to those new features that are coming out in Skylake. And what's especially relevant to the high-performance computing crowd is the uh, advanced vector extensions uh, 512, the thing that they recently put in the the Xeon Phi processor. So this gives you basically double the floating-point performance of the from the previous generation, and basically gives you the same 
type of performance as a as a as a Xeon Phi, except with a smaller core count. So these are these are faster cores because there are fewer of them. But you have that double that doubling up of uh, floating point processing. So very interesting uh, capability for users or customers interested in that sort of uh, compute intensive uh, workload. I'm with you, Michael. I think this is a an interesting development in terms of the early access to these processors going out through a cloud environment, in this case, the, the Google cloud environment, that first of all, it demonstrates uh, Google's market weight that they can uh, exact. We're used to seeing a high-performance processor, the the first um, uh, parts that become available for that going to some supercomputing uh, company and here Google is the supercomputing company. In this case, a hyperscale company that's claiming those first parts. Now, the second part of that that interests me is that there's a backend benefit of that to, in this case, Intel, whoever the vendor is, in that if they gate the access to those through some kind of form, they still retain the ability to. Uh, in some sense, monitor or even better yet, control what kinds of end users, what types of applications get run on those processors. And you have to think they're on the lookout for things that are going to show well the uh, breadth or power of these processors. They might be looking for some benchmarks here that can be publicized in the long run. Yeah, if they can get access to to that information, if, if the end users want to... Uh, make those results public, certainly that'll benefit Intel. Uh, from the point of view of Google, though, this I think this is somewhat of a coup, even though they're obviously a very large and powerful company. In the cloud space, they're basically in third place when it comes to Amazon and, and Microsoft with its Azure cloud. They're, they're not, they don't have the huge footprint, certainly, that Amazon has, and, and uh, even Azure's bigger. So the fact that they were able to get first access to these is actually sort of interesting, and um, maybe signifies um, a different strategy going on with Google now. I mean, when you look at those three cloud providers, you look at Amazon, they don't necessarily really have um, a huge emphasis on high-performance computation, although they've got, you know, like we said, the GPUs in there. Um, Microsoft Azure has more of, a, of an emphasis there. I think they have more users in that space. They have certain... Uh, you know, software stacks, and they sort of cater to that crowd. Whereas in the past, at least, Google, the Google Cloud hasn't really done that at all. Um, you know, we see them, they show up, all three cloud providers show up at, at the supercomputing conferences. But as far as what they're doing in, in their product set, it, it, it hasn't been much. So this is sort of a turn for Google in that they're, they're inserting these high-performance uh, components into their cloud. And I'm just wondering... If, if this is part of a larger strategy or if it's just something they feel like they had to catch up in vis-a-vis uh, -vis their competition. Well, uh, you make a point about them being the third largest public cloud. They've actually been the second for HPC, although Azure now has been gaining a lot of steam and threatens to overtake Google for the second position among HPC cloud providers. But if you look beyond the public cloud aspect, Google's the largest of the hyperscale infrastructures in general. They're the ones spending the most. And and I think the buying pressure they can exact on a vendor extends from the public cloud across their entire infrastructure, and you have to consider that. But uh, to your point, where I do agree with you, is that there might be uh, an intentional movement for Google to start catching up 
with the developments that have gone on, not only at Amazon, which has been number one, but the momentum that Microsoft Azure has been building around these high-performance instances, uh, Google, uh, this might be a response to try to uh, get their and, own and again, getting back to what you were saying about Intel, it might be part ground. of a closer partnership between Google and Intel. I mean, maybe they got you know somewhat good deals on some of their their internal hyperscale infrastructure. Uh, due to this or something maybe they'll get early access to those for their own use um by making them public and like you said intel can get some potential benefit if some of these use cases become public and they can talk about you know different ways that their their new processors can be used even before they they have an official release out um so that that like you said that can be good for intel and maybe they're they're sort of working together for their mutual benefit Well, Google has sought out ways to put pressure on Intel in the past. You remember last year around the Open Compute Project Forum, Google had been announcing that they they were capable of moving all of their workload off of Intel and onto Power. Uh, you know, this uh, coming after uh, Power uh, fixed the Endian compatibility issues and. Google was testing out these power-based configurations. So I think, uh, you know, that presaged uh, this idea that Google, uh, you know, wanted to work with Intel, yes, but also wasn't just going to accept whatever Intel uh, pushed their way. Yeah, that's a good point, too. It's uh, it's certainly become a more competitive landscape uh, for Intel in in these markets now with with AMD coming out with its server version of its Zen architecture, things are going to get even more interesting. But certainly, you know, Intel is uh, is sort of fighting competition from a, a, at a at a number of different levels. So, uh, sort of partnerships like this, I think, uh, do the company well to to get some of these products out and uh, exposed to the public. Well, so that's an interesting development, Michael, but also this week in HPC, this was, uh, I think, a really interesting announcement, although there's not a lot of detail to go on right now. But India announcing that there's a 10 petaflop supercomputer in the works for this year. Right. They expect to get a 10 petaflop system uh, up and running uh, as of June, which is just a few months away now. Um, and that's a, that's a huge jump for them. The largest system they have now... Um, is a little over a petaflop just in peak performance. In Limpack, it's under a petaflop. So they're they're sort of making an order of magnitude jump here if they're able to field the system like they like they seem to want to uh, in the next few months. So uh, India, of course, has in the past has had a lot of some of the larger systems, but they've been relatively quiet for the last let's say several years as far as keeping up with some of the other. Uh, other nations that are sort of second-tier supercomputing powers, so they, uh, it sounds like they sort of want to get bank back into it, and uh, this 10 petaflop system will do that. Now, we should say this is a particular system for uh, uh, weather forecasting applications. It's going to be shared by the um, Indian Institute for Tropical Meteorology and the uh, National Center for Medium-Range Weather Forecasting in India. So they're going to share this system. Um, it's going to serve both of those institutions, but it, it looks like it's mainly going to be a meteorological weather forecasting supercomputer. 
Well, you make some interesting points here. First of all, that we haven't seen India in the upper echelons of supercomputing for the last 10 years, although we have talked about it from time to time. And, yeah. and you used an important word, which is if this system comes to fruition. And I think that is a big if because we've had plans out of India that have failed to hit exactly what they've promised. We've talked about this in past years. And in particular, with this announcement, we don't have any specifics at this point of uh, who the vendor is, whether it's a build versus buy thing, what the architecture is. Do we really know anything about it other than they've said 10, 10 petaflops in June? No, there's uh, the, the bid is out to get the uh, the vendor to build it or to to deliver it. But as far as we know, there's no... Uh, there's no details on the architecture or, or the makeup of this machine. Now, we should say that this was not announced by either of those institutions that uh, that I quoted, at least not publicly. This was just derived from an article in a local uh, newspaper, The Hindu, that that covers the you know the local government uh, uh, space. So, in a sense, we're sort of relying on that. They got a quote from uh, the secretary that. Uh, the uh, and the Ministry of Earth Sciences, who, who says yes, that this is happening. They've allocated the money for it, which is something to the tune of of sixty million dollars for this project. And it's uh, and like he, he said, it's they hope to have this in place by June. But there's no information as far as the nature of the system or, or anything else surrounding this. Now, we've talked about this over time. Ten years ago, there was a plan to build an Indian supercomputer out of uh, Tata, the large Indian conglomerate. That plan right. never came to fruition after some changes politically. Then we've talked about India on this podcast before. Uh, India had planned to uh, have a, a 1.4 petaflop uh, system back in 2015, and on May 25th, uh, 2015 episode of this podcast, we discussed how they eventually delivered less than a petaflop. More interestingly, um, in May of last year, May 2016, the May 27th episode of This Week in HPC, we talked about India's homegrown HPC efforts. Now, that might be related to the, the uh, 12th five-year plan in India, which did apparently allocate close to a billion dollars worth of funding to homegrown supercomputing efforts, and that would be scheduled to come to fruition in 2017. Right. But we haven't heard anything about that since then and, and don't really know to what extent they might have put together their own homegrown supercomputing. If they've done it, uh, it's been a pretty well-kept secret. Yeah, and, and we think of homegrown supercomputing, we we. Th- essentially think of, you know, you've developed some of the basic componentry like the CPUs or the accelerators or the interconnect or the memory subsystem or something, but none of that has been forthcoming out of out of any news reports that I've seen. So um, it, it might just be in in the integration level uh, of what they're doing or, or some other uh, more high-level type of uh, uh, process there. Now, you know, you, you mentioned that... Uh, Part of that uh, that plan to get you know up to we we talked about seventy to eighty supercomputers over the next I think seven years that is supposed to start this year I think it's supposed to start in the latter half of this year and it, it's not clear if this supercomputer that we're talking about today the ten petaflop system is part of that it doesn't seem like it would be since it's a little bit earlier than the allocation for the other money so 
we might be seeing sort of the remnants of a of of other money that just had to get allocated and spent uh, to get this system, and then we'll see these you know multiple supercomputers. I think we talked seventy to eighty supercomputers over the next seven years uh, from this other pot of money. But like like we said before, we're not sure how much this money is is truly allocated and how much is being used to develop these supercomputers, whether they're homegrown or not. Well, there are some countries' plans that when they announce them, we have a tendency to believe them. But uh, India is in the category now where uh, I'm going to, you know, they have to prove a little bit to me what it is they're actually going to deliver. Yeah, I think uh, we'll find out sometime this year about what the, you know, sort of the validity of these things because they they are sort of promising things this year. So we'll track that and then we'll report it as as needed. But uh, if they get this 10 petaflopsis, then that'll be a big boost. For for their country and and for the for their future prospects to get back up into the uh, into the HPC leadership. All right, Michael. Two more interesting stories, and thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to this week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect Three Hundred and Sixty Research, actionable market intelligence for high performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.